Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. For the fall series of the Puberty Prof Podcast, I'm focusing on the National Sexuality Education Standards. We had one episode already with Nora Gelperin, who did an overview of the standards and why they were created, how they were created, etc. Today's episode is going to focus on one topic strand of the National Sexuality Education Standards, and that topic strand is anatomy and physiology. To help me out, I have invited Tess Vanderheik, who is actually from, not this country, but from Canada. And I'm really excited to have her here, a little background about Tess. Tess is the person behind Yes Tess, T-E-S-S, And she offers inclusive, evidence-based, and sex-positive information in health education. So thank you so much for being here today, Tess. And do you mind saying hi to our listeners today? Hi, everyone. Thank you, Laurie, for having me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. It, It is such a pleasure. Would you mind telling everybody what your background is? Sure. Um, so... I live in Canada. I live in uh, near Vancouver. And originally I'm from Belgium. So I grew up in Belgium. I grew up in Europe. And I've always been amazed about how bad sex education was. Like I traveled and I talked to people and it seems like everywhere around the world, like people didn't have really good sex education. So I've always been very fascinated by it. Um, so I got a master in gender and sexuality. And then I moved, when I moved to Canada, I work with youth and youth programming, and I always found it really interesting. I love working with youth, and I wanted to keep doing more sex education specifically. So I got certified as a sexual health educator with an organization here that's called Option for Sexual Health that does a lot of that. And I've been working as a sex educator since 2019. 2020 yeah that because mostly online at first um since 2020 and yeah that's been great i work a lot in the francophone schools because there's a few french schools around i do it in english as well but mostly in french and i love it wow thank well thank you again for being here and i love hearing your background and feel free to pass on any personal questions that i ask i have that rule in the classroom uh, you have the right to pass, but I'm just curious because you had said you were you had an interest in you know like sexuality and why don't people talk about it? When I was a kid, I was the one that looked up words in the dictionary, and I wasn't sexually active as a teenager, but I was curious. Would you say did you have like a similar background? Like was it just yeah, a curious I mean, thing? Yeah, I was curious, but also. I guess at least like at home, I would say like my mom was quite open to it. So it didn't seem like it was a taboo conversation, at least with my mom. So um, and I was confused of why it was. It seems to be taboo for so many other people. Mm-hmm. And then when I started being sexually active towards the end of high school, 
I, I came back and I was like, why is no one talking about this? <laughs> feels like no one told me what to expect. Like I was really surprised about a lot of things that happened and not in a negative way, but just as in, why is no one discussing it? Why is no one exchanging ideas or advice or like way to make it more pleasurable or better? Thank you for sharing that. And to me, because it was taboo, I think I was more curious. And I thought it was funny when people would try to avoid it. And I was like, but this is a natural thing. And to me, I would hope that the people that conceived me enjoyed what they were doing, that that was consensual because I'm here and I appreciate that I'm here. So let's jump to the National Sexuality Education Standards. And you're on today, Tess, to talk about that anatomy and physiology. And what I'm going to do for our listeners is I'm going to put a link to the standards and I'll tell them what page they can go to for what we're referring to. So I believe our page is 42 and how it's broken down. If you've never seen this document, those of you listening in, it's broken down by topic areas and grade uh, sections. So one section will read by the end of the second grade. So that's for K to two. Uh, people in grades K to two. That doesn't mean we teach everything in kindergarten, but it's spread out during that time. And then there's a, a grade section of three to five, and then six to eight, nine to 10, and 10, excuse me, 11 to 12. So today we're going to focus on those. There are really only three things that are noted for anatomy and physiology. And we're going to go all the way to the, by the end of the eighth grade. So Tess, do you mind reading what's listed for by the end of second grade, what students should be able to do? Of course. So by the end of second grade, students should be able to list medically accurate name for body parts, including the genitals. Now for your background, how you were trained, what are your thoughts on that? Is it age and developmentally appropriate? Yeah, of course. I think that's one of the things that I focus on with kindergarten grade. I would say grade one and grade two and surely like having to repeat it for every grade after that. Uh, but it's definitely something that's important for them to know the right name for all the body parts and the genitals and every other part of their body, understanding how they can like express themselves if something has gone wrong and if they hurt themselves, if something happened, if someone touched them, like, and just having power of and over their own body as well, it's important. And when we bring up the term genitals, some people are like, wait a minute. Also, some people think that's only something that most boys have. But we all have genitals. And what are some of the terms that you've taught kids, younger kids, up to the second grade? Well, so we talk about... Um, we go over the, the whole body and usually what I would do is like I just use a doll and then we see that people have nipples. So we talk about the word nipples. Um, we go over the belly button. We go about the bottom. We go about the anus as well. And then we talk about um, penis, the scrotum, understanding the scrotum is like that little skin outside and the testicles are inside. And then we talk about the vulva and how often kids, if they know the a scientific word, they tend to say vagina. And so I have a little bit of explanation and saying, you might have heard the word vagina, but actually what you see outside is the vulva. The vagina is that canal that goes to the uterus inside. I tell my future teachers to feel comfortable saying these words to practice if they haven't practiced 
because I've heard some of them just laugh the first time they hear the word like vulva or vagina and they're, or not the first time, but in class, when we say it the first time, I explain to them that we have so many slang terms for genitalia, which to me creates a barrier for people to talk honestly about those body parts. And to me, children, when we start using slang terms, it's telling them that we don't feel comfortable. And so to like, we don't have all these slang terms for ears, but we have them for penis or for the vagina. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, exactly. I think not having the right name and and kids not understanding, not knowing what the right name is. I, I have conversation with parents about this as well. Um, teacher a bit less, but even parents think like, well, like, why can't I use that word? And for me, it's not that you can never use it. Like, I think like there is a little bit of room for using some of the cute names sometimes, as long as kids know and understand what the real word is. Because we might have like cute name also for like, I don't know, the tummy, and we understand the difference. And they know also like if they had to explain it with the right word, they know what it is. So I think like if you don't name something or we use a cute name, it makes it sound as well as as we've used a real name. It's something that's for adults, right? And it's this weird thing that like a like a like you have something that's for peepees for kids, and then the penis is an adult thing, but it's not. Like it's the exact same thing. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Do you have anything else to add on for that up to second grade? I mean, I guess like during that time, yeah, like we just mostly focus on what's outside um and as you were saying that's going to be a lot of laugh like if it's not from the teacher it might be from the kids so I think it's knowing a little bit how to deal with that because depending on the classroom some might just be all over the place and laughing a lot so I get them to repeat it with me as well and just to understand as well that the reproductive system is just like any other system in the body that they've learned about which leads us to by the end of fifth grade. Would you mind reading that one aloud? Sure. Uh, So they should be able to recall the human reproductive systems, including the external and internal body parts and the function, and that there are natural variation in human bodies. Love that. (laughs) Why do you love that? Uh, The variation in human bodies. I mean, like the general thing is important to understand, but also understanding that every one has a different body is so important. So usually what I tell them is we're going to go over the reproductive system and understanding a bit more what the vulva is made of. So we go and look at a vulva understanding, okay, vulva has like, there's a clitoris, there is labias, there is the opening for the urethra, the opening of the vagina. So we look over this. And especially when I talk about labias, about what a vulva might look like, we look at the fact that everyone's going to have something that's a bit different. And that's going to look different for each person. And it might also be different skin color. And that skin can be even different from the skin color of the rest of the body. And that's okay. And we're going to do the same thing with the penis, understanding that's going to be a different size, a different shape for everyone. And also that just as I'm going to ask them to look around the classroom and to look at everyone's nose. And I'm going to ask them, okay, everyone has a nose, but is there two people in the classroom with exact same nose? No, exactly. Same thing for genitals. Everyone has one. It's just different for everyone. And to me, that adds on for the support of 
everybody has a different body for their body image, like to embrace the differences, not to be like, oh, how come I have this, like I have more hips than that person, but that's part of who you are. And to embrace that and to enjoy that. Exactly. But also I think just thinking that something is wrong with like sometimes thinking like maybe something is wrong with me because you don't get exposed and that's good to a lot of other genitals to look at when you're that age. Um, but you might have some ideas or like you see a drawing and we always see, for especially with vulva before penises as well, there is always this one drawing that's very neat, with very small um, internal labias and like it's always kind of the same thing. And so if you don't understand that I have a lot of variation and all of the variation are completely normal, that might create a lot of, of like feeling like your body's normal, something is wrong with you because you don't understand that there can be those kind of variation. Now, do you have any resources that you recommend people if there is a parent that wants to go over something with their child about the body parts? Do you have a resource that you recommend at all? Uh, well, so usually I would recommend mostly some books. Um, so I really liked the books from um, Corey Silverberg about like what a baby made of, because I think it's like very clear and it's very nice to look at. Um, I was looking at the book of the science of babies as well, just kind of like understanding how like things work. Uh, Who's the and, author of that again? I'm just, I know her, oh, but I'm just forgetting yeah, her for, name. Uh, Sorry, I should have said, uh, from um, Deborah Ruffman. Yes, yes. Because she talks about this is science. When kids ask about the reproductive system, this is science. It's not about sexuality per se, it's science. Exactly. And I, I'm happy you're bringing this up because uh, here in British Columbia, one thing that the word that's really being used when we talk about sex ed in grade, from kindergarten to grade six is we talk about body science. And so that's kind of like so that way. Um, Sally Manoon does that a lot as well. She says she, she, says she goes and uh, do body science because it's a bit less scary than saying we're doing sex education, but it is the science of the body. Mm-hmm. And when I go with very small kids, like kindergarten, grade one, grade two, I just ask them, we're just going to be a classroom of little scientists learning about our bodies and like looking at everything through uh, scientific glasses. You must be great with the little ones. It's fun. I like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I miss them because they're, they're just curious. They ask the best questions. They do have a lot of the questions. <laughs> now, you also shared with me before we started recording that you use kind of like a stuffed animal. It's not a stuffed animal. How did you yeah, call it's it? Yeah, it's mostly like, yeah, kind of like the vulva puppets. So I have, um, I have a vulva puppet that I really like because... I think it's really well done and you can see also like you can turn it and see what's going on inside. So we can see the urethra, you can see the vagina. And then um, for those who will be able to like see the image that I'm sharing, you can also put the clitoris in and understanding how the clitoris is connected to everything. So I really like this one. Um, I have another puppet for the penis that has a foreskin and then that we then we can have a conversation about the foreskin as well, understanding how it works. Um, so I think that's really helpful. And I have a few other ones when we can just like look at what like a uterus looks like and understanding a little bit like what the body might look like. Usually I like to draw on the board. Uh, I think it's the best way because it allows me to kind of do variation and understanding how things work. 
Um, but I really like some, the using plushies too. Excellent. Now in the States, for the younger grades, we don't commonly use the puppets. We don't. Do you use that for younger grades as well as the older? So from the K to, uh, from kindergarten to grade two, I have dolls. Okay. So I have two dolls and one doll has a vulva and the other doll has a penis and scrotum. And so that allows me to like go through the body by just like looking at them and like telling like, having something that we can look at and understanding how the body works and what it looks like uh, without like, being too graphic with with drawings or whatever. But I think it's helpful as well, and I, they find it quite funny. So I love using dolls for that. Which is age and developmentally appropriate there. Exactly. And then at what point do you bring in the puppets? Like what grade? Um, I think when we start talking about a reproductive system, so that might be depending on the classroom, but usually maybe some, if I have a, a group that's like a grade two and three, then we're going to start talking about it. So I would say grade three, depending here, there's a lot when I work in smaller school, they kind of put the groups together. So if I have a grade one and two together, then I might not. And then if it's a grade two and three, then we might start talking about it a bit more in details. Now, if you're listening in and you're like a puppet, I don't want to get a puppet of these body parts, then don't, then don't. Let's go in steps in which some things that are often used in the States we uh, are the diagrams from Kids Health. If you go to kidshealth.org, it's under the teen section, but there's the reproductive systems. I'd recommend they be a little updated. There, there's still all the body parts are correct, but we're trying to use the terms of most boys and most girls or most males, most females. That's something we're doing in the field. There's also some diagrams from three R's and I'll put links to both of these. There's actually a diagram. It's part of a PowerPoint that's called understanding our bodies, the basics. And like what Tess just said, they have a like a, a child for all body parts. So it's not specific to what's in their underwear. It's for all body parts. I shouldn't say all, but it's for basic body parts. Like this is your ear, this is your arm, that kind of thing. So check those out. Again, I'll put the links in today's episode, like the description. Anything else you want to say regarding teaching those grades between three and five? Well, because we're talking about the reproductive systems, we're going to be talking about also the main question is, you know, how a baby made and like what happens and how that works. So that's something that I cover. I don't know if that when in this specific one, when they talk about a reproductive system, if that includes talking about reproduction or at least like the basic of reproduction. Uh, so one other thing that I would bring up during between, I think, grade one and grade five would be human reproduction. So how baby mates, because it's a common question that they have. And I think it's important to um, to talk about it as well, because, again, like you don't want them to have misinformation about this. So we're going to we're going to understand, first of all, what do we need to make a baby? So we need an egg, we need an ovum, and we need a sperm cell, right? So like the two things that we need. And how do they come to meet together? So I'm going to go over one of the simple thing, which is like we have one person that brings the, the sperm cell and one person that has an egg. 
and they're going to get together and the sperm is going to meet the oven. Usually the next question is going to be, how did they get together? So the one of the way could be through sex. So we have a little conversation about like understanding what sex is because it is the number one question I get from grade four and grade five. What is sex? So they obviously have heard the word and they want to understand what it is. And I go simply over the fact that like some people will have a moment in which the penis is going to go inside the vagina and it's going to, um, the sperm cell are going to come out of the penis and they're going to go up to the oven, to the egg. And one egg and one sperm cell are going to decide to get together. And once they merge together, then we have the first cell of the babe, of, of a human. And that's going to go implant inside the uterus. And then we go over what that looks like. But it's also important for me at that moment to understand that is not the only way that an egg and a sperm cell can meet. And there is a lot of other type of way that a sperm cell and ovum can meet. So there is true medical assistance, but also understanding then therefore um, we can have two parents of the same with the same reproductive system that can also try to have a baby and what that might look like. Excellent. Do you have a lot of parents or other caregivers that question that in the schools? So far I haven't. Uh, so also I think the way it's, um, Thought or the, the way it's approached in British Columbia is a bit different. So parents are allowed to pull the kids out of sex education if they wish to. That's the only part of the curriculum that they can decide not to have the kid attend the class when it's happening. But what they're supposed to do and what the school is supposed to do is make sure that the parents are going to teach it themselves. Okay. That's Usually the way I try to go about it is like, well, I can tell them or you can tell them. You decide. Okay. <laughs> and it's fine if the parents rather do it themselves, but usually it's because like they don't want the kids to hear that, right? Um, so, but I mean, like it's rare that school usually follow up on this and I don't have direct issue with parents, but then I would come to the classroom and half of the kids are missing, right? So like I've had that as well. Because that's common here for overall puberty talks or sexual education. In some states, it's more specific of students have to be there uh, except for these things, like if prevention of HIV is covered in sex education lessons. Sometimes those students that are not there, that are pulled out, sometimes they're the ones, in my experience, that ask me the questions even when we're talking about substances or decision-making, they'll bring it up. So there's an, still a natural curiosity there. And hopefully people at home are teaching that. Hopefully they're teaching the truth yeah. behind things. Exactly. But I think it's good to have it at school and have it at home because you understand like you hear the same thing in both ways and you know, it's an open conversation. And I think that's the best way to approach it, but that's not Sadly, it's not available for all kids. And what I'm thinking of every time there is half the classroom missing is I'm thinking of the kids who aren't there. And then they're going to have like, they're going to have all that information delivered, but all the great, like the, the fifth grader that were in the classroom. And I'm yeah. very concerned about that one, that, what it's going to look like. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's best to come from an adult that knows what they're talking about. Because <laughs> the school buses, a lot of conversation happens on the school buses. So okay. if we continue and go to what students should know 
or be able to have a skill set in by the end of eighth grade, would you mind reading that last one? Yes. Yeah, so by eighth grade, they should know how to describe human reproductive system, including the external, internal body part and the function, and that there are natural occurring variation in human bodies. Example, intersex, vulva, circumcised, and intact penises. Any thoughts on those? Excuse me, any thoughts uh, on that statement? Yeah, I mean, it seems to be very similar. I'm trying to like even see what the difference is. I guess they just give you an example. I'm happy that they're mentioning specifically intersex because I think that is one thing that... Um, that is not covered often and you really have to like bring the topic for kids to understand like the differences. And I'm just curious, but I might just be uh, like, let's say like a language difference, but like circumcised and intact penises. I thought it was just circumcised and uncircumcised. The difference between intact and. Yeah, that's some of the terminology has, has changed. And part of it is, well, I'm not even sure why. I'll just be flat honest. I'm not sure. So, but I know it's written in the, in the standard. Yeah. I would just like, I'm just putting myself in a, in a situation of a, of a kid that is like, oh, well, then if that's the opposite, that means that it's not intact. Well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's another debate, but (laughs) no, I hear what you're saying Um, though. I'm not going to deny that this is the first time I like that word is, is, being brought to my attention because you're right. It's like, so if I'm circumcised, does that mean it's not intact? No, it mm-hmm. is. But it's just that there's a little piece of skin that's been removed. Yeah. So I guess like, so usually the way I would bring it up is we'll look at what, um, like, as I said, like we look at penises and understanding that foreskin is a part of the penis and some kids will have it and some kids won't. And usually that happens close to birth and like when they're really young. And that's a decision usually of the parents, either like for religion or culture or like it depends. Right. And then I would call this like when it's removed, that's called circumcision. That, that's the way I would usually um, I would talk about it. And intersex is very good one to be talking about. Um, the way I love to bring it up is usually understanding how intersex happen and understanding that we go back to the reproductive system and what happens when a baby starts developing. And for kids to understand that, well, every embryo of two weeks, week six or seven is all by default like a female embryo. And then it's going to get the information to remain female, to go to male, um, a reproductive system. And sometimes that kind of like stay somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. uh, or like closer to something that's going to look to a penis or something closer that's going to look to a vulva. And so we go over what intersex might look like and what it means, because it's not only about body parts, um, external body part. They can also just have external body part that looks just like a penis and someone has a uterus or the other way around. So that. Is a lot of different things, but I, I think it's a really interesting conversation to have with kids to really understand that, like, again, like body parts can look a lot of different things. Do you get kids that ask why? Why does this happen? Well, yeah, I, I mean, they don't really ask so much why it happened because we, ex- like, I explained that it happens while the development of the fetus, right? And we know there's a lot of things that can happen. It can happen to your genitals, but it can happen to any other body parts. That bodies that like 
born naturally like with like with different fingers or different hand or like a like something different happened in embryo that made that the body is a bit different from any other one. Do you have anything else you want to say regarding this? Because I know when I look at all three of these statements, when I have been in the classroom setting, this would be appropriate to go over, you know, the first one up to second grade about what body parts are, overall general body parts. And then we go a little bit further in fifth grade about, or up to the fifth grade about the reproductive systems, because they're beginning to go through those changes mm -hmm. of puberty, which matures those systems. And then by eighth grade that they're understanding more and able to describe things. So as they age, when they go to the doctor, they can talk about body parts better, or if they're going to engage in behaviors, they, they understand a little bit more about their bodies. Yeah. I mean, I guess like one thing we didn't really mention that's going to come, it's, it's part of it as well, but it's going to be, when we talk about the reproductive system, it's going to be the menstrual cycle understanding how puberty is going to have an effect on all of this and how the body is going to change because up to grade four, grade five, we're going to talk about all of this. But usually after that, we're going to repeat all of these information, but also understanding how the body is going to change because what the genitals are going to look like if we think of kids with penises and scrotum, we know that's something that's going to that's going to start changing visibly during puberty. And then I think the number one question I have from grade seven and eight is, what is the average size of a penis for a 12 or 13 year old? Because they're really curious and they're also like very, I think there's a lot of anxiety around it because we know they might be exposed to like some kind of like adult media or like sexualist media or like things that have been told by, by friends or numbers that they're hearing. And, uh, and I think they're really anxious about that. Yeah. And you're right that when we cover these systems, usually it's connected at least for like fourth and fifth grade, and then even for sixth, seventh to review or to go over what puberty is and all those changes, which one change during puberty is that maturation of these body parts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which that will be another episode of the Puberty Prof podcast. That's going to be that's going to be the topic of puberty and adolescent sexual development. So this is perfect. It's a great lead way. Now, since we went over all of the statements that were on the, the document that I sent you for grades K through eight, is there any advice that you have for parents and other caregivers listening in that if they're talking with their children or going to talk with their children, any advice for them? Uh, I'm not, I, that's going to take back from what I've, uh, we'll go back to what I've said a little bit, but I think the main advice I would say when we're talking about this, first of all, obviously using the right scientific word to be talking about them, but then mostly reassuring kids that their body part is normal. So many questions that I get from kids is usually about like, is this normal? Is it supposed to look like this? What is this? What is happening? And Usually my response is not even even going to the details and like, tell me what it looks like. And I tell you if it's normal. I'm pretty sure 99% of the time that like everything is fine. Your body's just normal. It's changing. And like whatever is happening, 
is okay and like your body is okay and it's going to work like any other ones like it's not because it you think it's not looking the way it's supposed to look like that's not going to work um so i think reassuring them about like their body parts and just knowing that's normal and it's beautiful and like you know accepting your body the way it is i would say that adults also need that reminder mm-hmm. i use heather karina's book when i talk about sexuality and there's one part in the book where it's like, um, it's not a cartoon. It's like drawn vulvas and penises. Mm -hmm. And so it's, if it's not, it's not a comic, it's not a cartoon. I don't know how to, it's drawings. I guess it would be drawings. And my college students have said, wow, I never thought about this. And this was weird to look at. I'm not used to this, but it reminds me that there's variety out there. Because even themselves, they didn't, they weren't taught that when they were younger. Yeah, of course. And I guess like not only we not taught about this, but uh, then you exposed to a lot of media that only showing you like v- one very specific type of what a vulva or penis can what look like, right? So we have no idea like what the diversity of uh, genitals is. So there's a lot of good resources are there one of them is the labia library is one of them but i think there is there is a lot there's also like the vulva dictionary i think and that goes over like what different type of labias and vulvas and and penises can look like there is more and more like artwork that's been done around this that is showing a lot of different type of genitals in a non-sexual way just more of like look at the diversity of of the type of, of genitals that people can have. And I guess if we're comfortable with that, or like to give that link to um, to all the kids for them to like understand and satisfy the curiosity, I think that's the best way because the alternative then, and I'm sure you're going to cover that as well, but it would be through media and pornography. And obviously we don't want them to get information from that. Yeah, we want them to have more honesty. And I appreciate that you had said it's presented in a non-sexual manner because yeah, we're sexual beings. However, we can still learn about things and that doesn't mean we're going to go run and have sex. There's no research to say that when we have lessons that go over the body systems or when we're shown non-sexual images, it doesn't mean that we go and do something. Exactly. Yeah, it's just information. The other one, um, that was the one I was thinking about. If we're less comfortable with picture, there is uh, for vulvas, it's called the Vulva Gallery. And that is all, um, it's an illustrated book about vulvas. So that can be a good way to kind of like see the the variation without looking at pictures if it's something we don't feel comfortable with, which is totally okay. Very good. Now, do you have any advice for any young people that might be listening in? Uh, I mean, I guess it's the same thing. <laughs> That's like the my biggest advice is just like understanding that your body is okay. That, you know, like just accept your body and just understanding there is so much diversity of what body can look like um, to keep being curious. I think when they're young, they're very curious. They have a lot of questions. And my main advice for them is to keep being curious, keep asking questions. And as long as they don't ask the question to Google, like make sure to find a trusted adult who you can ask a question. 
my, my second advice when I talk about Google is if you put your question in Google, you might come up with results that might give you answer that might not always make you feel really good about your body and what your body does. So it's better to just seek information with adults or have resources that you can use, books or good. There's a lot of good website that you can use to get information about your body and how it works. And Wonderful. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, Tess, can they get in touch with you? And if yes, where can they go? Of course. Uh, well, if you have any direct question, feel free to like send me an email. You can send it to Tess at yestess.ca. Otherwise, I have my Instagram, which is also yestess.se. Or the most popular one is my TikTok, in which there is a lot of content on there. And it's also Yestess. So if you search for Yestess in TikTok, you should find some of my videos. Wonderful. And I'll see if I can put that information too in the description for you, because I know I've seen some of your TikToks and I think they're wonderful. I thank you so much for being here today, Tess. It's really so great to be connected with you. It's I love when I'm connected with other professionals who want to do what's best for young people to be happy and healthy. So thank you for being in this episode, on this episode. I'm not sure of the, the proper English there, but thank you for what you're doing too in British Columbia. Thank you, Laurie. And I appreciate you being here today. And for our listeners... Feel free to connect with Tess. Again, her TikTok, I have seen some of them and they're, it's a learning opportunity to watch some of them. I also sent an email to Tess through her email account and I'll make sure there's a link in the description. Also feel free to connect with me, the Puberty Prof at pubertyprof at gmail.com or pubertyprof.com, my website, because I want to do the best to support you all in helping young people understand that what they're going through as they're going through these preteen and teen years, I want to help you help them understand this is a natural process and to feel as happy and healthy as possible. So thanks again for listening in. And I hope you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.